Dirty Sheets. Thursday morning, it is 12 minutes past 10 o'clock. Join us on Facebook Live. Morning Brew is the page. Or email us if you like. We've already got one from Colin, which Steve will pop in a bit later on. Let's say hi to our man from Saikong, Steve Vines. How are you doing? Well, I, I survived that massive typhoon that, that, that blew leaves down. Number nine? Was that a number nine? I think, in fairness, depending on where we were in Hong Kong, (laughs) because we've got our share of naysayers, I was nothing. And then other people said, actually, well, where I was. Um, But number nine was a surprise to everybody. What? (laughs) Wasn't it? Well, can I just say that that out here in the sticks, um, there were a couple of leaves on the ground, a couple of branches came. (laughs) I mean, you know, we have had big typhoons, which were number nines. I'm pretty damn sure this wasn't one of them. But hey, if you're a bureaucrat and you're covering your backside, and you don't want every to time, for doesn't it? Listen, if this wasn't a time when most people were at home, uh, do you think it might have gone down a bit earlier? I mean, come on, we can only speculate. But I, I have no idea. I mean, it, it just seemed to me it had nothing to do with the weather. That's all I'm saying. Which I thought was the whole point of these typhoon signals was it was supposed to have something to do with the weather. I, I mean, in fairness, we're going to stop being Brit in a minute talking about the weather. But in fairness, yeah, we, even, we could. even the boys who know what they're talking about said, "Well, oh, this caught us a little bit by surprise because it started going around the houses a bit, didn't it?" It was <laughs> quick. I'll give it that. It was quick. Anyway, <laughs> let's have a cup of tea and a jam butty and carry on. What have you got? So, so I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that we could just spend a few moments talking about rich aid. You know how they've had all these schemes around the world to help the poor. Hong Kong is the only place on the planet that has decided that the way to respond to economic crisis, to the very real poverty that is being um, stimulated by the coronavirus, Uh is to make sure that those who've got get more. So the supermarkets have just been paid a total of the two supermarket chains, um, who shall remain nameless, but we'll call them in shorthand Park and Rob and Unwelcome, okay. have, been, have been paid a total of um, $299 million. Mm. That's just $1 million away from... For, for, what, for what, though? This is where we go. Sorry, have we, missed, have we missed something? Do I not get this? <laughs> OK, let's, let's just go through what the, what the rationale of this Please. is. Remember, that was for the first three months. They're about to get another almost 300 million, not incidentally, um, as Mr. Lord Chi Kwong, the, the minister for the rich said, or sorry, the minister for subsidising the rich said, I think he also has some social welfare responsibilities, but hey, who knows about them? So the minister for subsidising the rich said, oh, they've got over $100 million. Yeah. No, they haven't. It's more like 300 million. At least, Mr. Law, if you are going to dissemble, dissemble vaguely closely to where the truth is. The logic is Mm. that the employment subsidy is designed to work so that everybody, every company in Hong Kong who's employing people gets money to keep them employment as quickly as possible. That is admirable. I'm all in favor of it and I understand it. But look at this. The supermarkets not only have managed to increase their turnover, during this period, because fewer people are eating out, more people are queuing up. Anybody who's been into a supermarket will have seen the queues. I know the grand people who run the government don't go to supermarkets, so they don't know that. But trust me and trust our listener, the listener will have been to a supermarket and will have seen the same thing. That's number one. Number two, they've actually been using the pandemic as an opportunity to put up prices. So they're gouging the public. about this. I thought it was a wind-up. 
it is not a wind-up. It's it's what we call a factual fact. Blimey. So their reward is to be given a, a, a bung of, of 300 million. Now, the Minister for Subsidising the Rich says, oh, oh, I've, we've got to do it this way, because if we didn't do it this way, it'd be, oh, it would be so complicated, and it would slow down the system, and blah, blah, blah. Here's a hint of how you do it. You put on the form, yeah. when you ask companies to apply for this, during the period of the pandemic, i.e. since January, mm-hmm. have you had to lay off people? Have your profits gone up or gone down? If they've gone up, or if you've managed to retain your business, you don't qualify for this subsidy. If you haven't had to lay off people, you don't qualify for this subsidy. Now, you may say, oh, well, maybe they won't, you know, they won't reply honestly. Well, if they don't reply honestly, they're committing a criminal offence and should be sent away to a place which is very dark. This is not complicated. It's really not complicated. And the pathetic excuse that you can't run the whole scheme without subsidising those who've benefited from the coronavirus pandemic mm. is, well, words that you shouldn't be saying on, um, on, on, on a public radio station, but it, it's horlicks, it really is. And it's incidentally exactly the same logic that was applied to the $10,000 um, handout. Oh, do you yeah. remember that? Uh, yes, when people indeed. said, why do squillionaires get $10,000, which, you know, equates to three martinis and a Negroni for them. Whereas the very poor people who have who are scraping together an existence ah. got that money and could possibly have got a bit more if so much wasn't filtered off to the rich. Again, the excuse was given, oh, we wanted to make the scheme simple. Oh, if you put in complications, make them, you know, like upsetting the rich, that's always a complication in Hong Kong. And then they said, do you remember? Then they said, ah, well, but this system is very complicated. The banks, oh, my God, the banks won't be able to implement it. We'll have to wait until as close as possible to the LegCo elections before handing out the money. Now, as we know, the LegCo elections were uh, postponed, and lo and behold, the payment system managed to be accelerated. Gosh, I live in a world where coincidence is a wonderful thing. Maybe the listener does too. You say the scheme being complicated or simple. I mean, the problem is dead simple. These people are so poor they can't pay attention. And yes, they should get some of it. It's that simple. Let me say hello to Alvin, who says the library is back. And Alvin's back as well. He says the subsidies still won't cover many industries, such as hair salons, nail parlours, etc., which were affected the hardest and longest. Alvin's talking to us on Facebook Live on our Morning Group page. Jump in if you want. Well, can I, can I just explain to Alvin why that is? Because nobody who's really rich runs those things. You don't it's need to subsidise. Yeah. There's nobody who's really rich and might complain who runs a hair saloon. So um, I hope Alvin will accept that as a reasonable yeah, he explanation. He just wants to get his nails done, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> but, but incidentally, in, in, incidentally, I mean, on top of all of this is the, I mean, it's an almost blinding stupidity is that the system itself, this system of um, ensuring that people aren't being laid off, are being paid while, while the pandemic still rages, is not being paid directly to the people who suffer. It goes through the companies. Now, we know because there's an absolute enormous mass of anecdotal evidence that a lot of this money does, does not land in the pockets of the people 
it's designed to land in. Mm-hmm. And again, no doubt, the minister for subsidising the rich will say, oh, well, it's really complicated to pay the money to the people who are supposed to receive it. Gosh, I feel his pain. I really do. Mm. Can you make the... Back to the supermarket thing. Can you just make it really simple? I'm sorry, I'm not being a divvy on purpose, but it just seems weird. Um, I like everybody. We don't we don't understand it. Well, they qualify for the simple reason that everyone qualifies, and um, you know, and and the the government's argument is that that you know once you put exemptions into the system, it makes it very complicated. Oh, okay. So uh, so one rule for everybody and things. One rule for everybody, however bonkers it is, and believe me, when it comes to bonkers, this isn't incidentally breaking news that the land administration is incompetent. I'm not trying to make that pathetic point, but but that's where we are. We are subsidising people who are making a, a killing out of the pandemic. That is, I mean, it's not only incompetent, but it's offensive. Oh, and by the by, who is doing the subsidy? You and me, people who pay their taxes. It's done by the, it's public money. Gosh, who knew that public money belonged to the public? Let's go back to cracks in the pavement. This thing about charging more. I read it on a couple of Facebook things, of course. Mm. But, you know, last week we were jumping up and down about people gouging, <laughs> gouging the public. Yeah. We called it, you know, ambulance chasing or grave robbing or whatever you want to say. How come these guys, what's the justification? Because they can. Ugh. Because when you, when you run effectively a duopoly, and remember, if you go to either of the competing duopoly stores, mm. the prices are almost identical. You know, every now and again, there's a, there's a soap powder cheaper in one than it is in the other. But let's be... Um, uh, let's be honest, by and large, their prices are the same. Now, whether they are operating a cartel, and who knows, because that has never been properly investigated, we don't know. But what we do know is there's a staggering coincidence of prices between these stores. And for most people, because there aren't that many alternatives, they go to these stores. Yep. Uh, I I make an Herculean effort not to do so, and I keep failing. (sighs) Yeah, well, the old thing about go to the markets and stuff, we all do when we can. So a quick PS from Alvin here, and he's, he's absolutely right. He says, I never figured Kim Robinson is still considered in working class. I think what he means is there's a lot of very swanky nail and hair there prices. Are, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's got a point, but, but I mean, I'm saying by and large, the super rich don't gotcha. run nail saloons. Right. Nigel. They, they do, but I just don't know You just don't it. go to them plainly. If you join <laughs> us on Skype, we'll know. Right, listen, Nigel says, does the use of common sense fall under the national security law as a tool against the tools in charge? Thank you, Nigel. <laughs> oh, hang on. Here we go. Dave, this is time for those incompetents in government to be moved sideways. Hurrah, says Dave. Yeah, we're on Facebook Live. Put your comments up there. It, w- it would be a wonderful thing, wouldn't it? Well, if, if because you were incompetent, you left the administration. Remember... In the, in the course of the lab administration, how many people have actually taken responsibility for their stupidity? Um, I'll tell you in round numbers, zero. Why is Theresa Cheng, the Secretary for Injustice, still in her position? Why is John Lee... Oh. Um, in his position. I mean, I'll go through the list if you like. You just reminded me of something. You know that thing in the news a couple of days ago about probationary civil servants, if they're caught doing anything the government doesn't like, they're out. And Mrs Lamb said straight afterwards in this news conference she was doing, well, if somebody gets confirmed, it's ridiculously hard to get rid of them anyway as a civil servant. So I think that probably answers your your question. Yes, (laughs) yes. Yeah, and remember, they're going to be kicked out 
um, before they've gone through any due process. I think that's, again, I mean, you know, if, if we weren't being bombarded by the day, by new appalling things happening, there would have been an even bigger outcry about this. But, you know, we still have, or do we? I don't know. Do we still have the concept of um, innocent until proven guilty? What this new system in the civil service is, you are guilty as soon as you've been accused. Well, if you're found at a protest or anything like that and you're a probationally, um, pl plainly quite junior civil servant, forget about it. Because yeah. it's the only chance they have to give you the flick. That's yes, <laughs> truthfully. Absolutely. While you're, while you're, while you're a, a, a probationer, I believe they're called. Indeed, indeed. Same as prisoners. Yep, time for one more. Well, we've got five minutes before the news, Steve, all yours. Well, shall we um, uh, very, very quickly talk about the, um, the, the so-called universal testing scheme, uh -huh. which is worrying a lot of people, including me. So these, this is going to be undertaken, um, or is it going to be undertaken? It's just been pushed back again. By one of the companies involved is um, on, on a banned list in the United States because of dodgy practices. They're all mainland companies. People in Hong Kong have a very real fear mm. of the um, DNA samples, which, of course, once you've given these samples, they do contain your DNA. Otherwise, um, what else could they contain? Being transferred to a central database, which can be used for other reasons. Mm. I mean, these aren't fanciful fears. This is something which is live and is happening in mainland China, particularly in Xinjiang, but not throughout, I mean, but, but also in other parts of China. So people are saying, well, yeah, I don't mind being tested, of course, for medical reasons, but I do mind yes. having a, a record of my DNA on a central base that can be used for other purposes. That's one thing. The second thing is, of course, these tests, and medical experts say this all the time, these tests are largely worthless because they give you a snapshot. They say that person A on Monday doesn't have um, or yes. has undetectable virus in their system. It doesn't say that person A has that same situation on Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday. So the only way that these tests are in any way going to be useful is if they're repeated, repeated and repeated. That's going to cost a fortune. Do we have to do this? That's the big question. And the second well, thing, people, most, people are most, saying we're not doing it because we do not trust you. I've, across the board, people are saying we don't trust you, whatever they, you say. They're saying they don't trust you, but also the medical case is spurious because what most people, and remember, this is a global pandemic. We're not on our own here. True, true. What most people say is you do testing where you've identified a cluster or a vulnerable area. That mm. makes sense. Yes, yes. Because then you can keep repeating the testing in that area until you've found out who are the carriers. The whole population is just an enormous waste of time and effort. On that and, day. And then you have to start the reset Groundhog Day, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, if I'm going to be tested tomorrow, uh, and hopefully that would be, you know, that would be a, a negative test. Mm -hmm. I, I can guarantee that the same wouldn't hold true for Sunday. It's impossible. How much of, this, how much of this is goss and how much of it do you think is uh, true at this stage? Well, I think what is true is that the medical evidence and most scientific opinion is that universal testing is a waste of space. That's one. What the use of the DNA is going to be put to that, I have to say, is, is not confirmed. People don't know that. Mm. But, you know, we live in a time where people are worried and suspicious and have grounds for worry. Mm. So 
on top of the existing anxieties of the pandemic, do you really want to add this one as well? I can't see the purpose of it. And if I was in any doubt mm -hmm. as to why people should worry, I would have attended the press conference held by my good friend Junius Ho the other day, who's advocating it avidly. And there's a man with a political agenda. So, you know, you often find out what's going on by listening to the people who are advocating various courses of action. Do you reckon this will just go away because the how paragraph is just too difficult? You, you, you mean go, the, the, the idea of universal testing go away? Yes, because actually doing it and talking about well, it are, I, are two I different things. A very large number of people, because it's voluntary, of course, a very large number of people simply won't show up to be tested. Five million? So that al already means that the system is useless. So I, I think in the end what will happen is what usually happens with government schemes is they never, ever admit they're wrong. So it will go ahead and it will be useless and it will be forgotten within weeks, not, not, not even months. That does it seem to happen another here, doesn't it? frittering away of taxpayers' money. Have you noticed that you know, over the years uh, here? Uh, something groovy comes out, people don't like it, people jump up and down in the government and it goes away. I mean, the best point, the best case in point there was the airport. They got a real slamming, didn't they? And uh, Clinton Leakes was their PR man. And he, he just knew that it would go up and then the hump would come down again and everything would be sweet. Yeah. You're talking about the opening of the airport. Yeah. Anything to do with it. It was it was just yeah. there was stuff yeah, that I mean, happened. This is, this and is slightly different. They and, knew how and, to ride the, the storm. Reason, no, the, but, but the reason this is different is not everybody was at the airport. Sure, sure, everybody, sure, every, no, no. But I'm just saying this is of a different level of... Um, What's the word? It's a different level of enormity. Yeah. This affects literally 7.4, whatever is the current population figure for Hong Kong, 7.4 million people. Right. It's a lot of people. Let's, get, let's get the news done and everything. I'm getting some cool messages there. I really shouldn't have said that, should I? <laughs> we'll get, we'll get going to the news in a second. If you're watching us on Facebook Live, it's time for you to listen to a nice tune because you won't be able to hear our transmission of the news, which is coming up now. Oh, right, 28 minutes to 11 o'clock this Thursday morning. Join us on Facebook Live if you want to, and if you can. There's some cool comments coming up there. Uh, Steve and I have got an email to read to you in a second, but neither of us can retrieve it right now. But say, hey, Colin, we've got it, and we'll get onto it as soon as we can. Right, Steve. Uh, well, sh shall we go on to um, uh, other matters? Other um, matters. Unfortunately, we, we, you know, the elephant in the room obviously hasn't gone away, and the elephant in the room is the national security law, which we were assured would not have retrospective effect. Mm. Yet we've seen uh, in the past week, for example, that Agnes Chow, who has removed herself from political activity, was arrested, yeah. removed herself from political activity since um, the law was implemented on July the 1st. So either they've discovered activity that she's alleged to have been doing, uh, which she denies, incidentally, or they are applying this retrospectively. Mm. I mean, you can't have your cake and eat it. Retrospective have, has a very clear meaning. It means retrospective. It doesn't mean anything else. So it's very worrying that even the paper-thin guarantees of ways in which this law was going to be minimised simply have not been applied. And it seems from... Um, the arrest of, of Jimmy Lai, which of course is much more high profile and has even attracted the attention of the President of the United States. It seems from his arrest that the, the tenor of what um, he was asked about suggests that again, he was being asked about things that 
occurred before the legislation came into force. Yes. So if within just over a month of bringing in a law and stating that that law would have this limited application, it turns out that that simply isn't so. Yeah. It's very worrying. I mean, it really is worrying that, that every word that comes out of these people's mouths is not to be trusted. It has no value. Now, to be fair, most of those words came out of, of the mouths, not of mainland officials, but of their local ciphers, you know, the Sino and people like that. And whether they even knew what was going on, I suppose you could make the argument, well, nobody bothers to tell them how this works, so how would they know? Mm -hmm. But, you know, don't you think they should have made it their business to know? This is a very important piece of legislation. <laughs> All right. I know. I've got some messages Let's for see. you, Steve, to stick in your pipe. Let's see. Uh, I've gone. I finally got my email. So on the stuff we okay. talked about before the news, Umesh, good morning. Park and Robin, unwelcome. Have good contacts in all the underground low places, which the unwashed have no chance in hell of getting. Says Umesh. Uh, let's have another look here. Uh, James. James, hello. Welcome back, James. He says, in a surprise development, LegCo candidates have been announced. The nationality of number six is under judicial review. Uh, right. And uh, I don't know. James, tell us more. Uh, we're, we're only mere radio presenters. Colin, total change of topic if you're up for this, Steve. OK. Colin says, last Sunday, VJ Day was remembered at Statute Square. The 75th anniversary wreaths were laid by the US Consul, UK Consul, Canadian, Hong Kong Volunteers, World War II veterans and the Royal British Legion. The Hong Kong government at the last minute decided not to send a representative to lay a wreath and no explanation was given. Many thousands of Hong Kong citizens lost their lives during the Japanese occupation from December 41 to August 45. Without the brave actions of these countries during World War II, especially the US, we would not be here today. I'm more than disappointed that the Hong Kong government was not there to lay a wreath and remember those that gave their lives so that we can have our freedom today. On the 15th of August 1945, Hong Kong was truly liberated and our freedom returned. He says, in conclusion, if you don't remember history, it will come back and repeat itself. All Hong Kong students should be taught about this period in Hong Kong's history. Your thoughts, Steve? Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in this. I don't know whether Colin mentioned, but it, it's not just an anniversary. It's, in fact, it's a significant anniversary. It's the 75th anniversary of VJ Day, uh, Victory Over Japan Day. <coughs> and what is so depressing about this is now the people who run the land administration are so scared of their own shadows that they don't even have the basic courage to uh, to attend an event which they think may end up being criticized as being in some way disloyal and unpatriotic on in the mainland what they're afraid of in 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 this particular commemoration is that the leading roles are being paid by um, foreign governments and it's commemorating the role of foreign countries mm -hmm. in ending the occupation of Hong Kong. Well, the ending of the occupation of Hong Kong was, of course, because of the defeat of Japan, which largely was the result of the bombing of Hiroshima and, and uh, Nagasaki. So, you know, uh, um, Colin is quite right. If you ignore history, you are condemned to repeat it. But also, in the context of what's happening today, the idea that in Hong Kong, the government itself cannot bring itself to make the nominal gesture. And remember, it would be a very nominal gesture. They would have sent someone from their protocol department, the chief executive office's protocol department. It's not the most important department in the territory mm. to go along 
and pay respects to the war dead. I, I mean, it, it, it's, of course it's insulting, of course it's worrying, and actually it's disgusting. I, I agree with Colin. Good morning to Rick, who says, we were banned from attending last Sunday. Rick, does we mean the public? I think it does, right, Steve? I think it actually does. Well, I think there was a, 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 a issue with social distancing, so yes. I mean, you know, social distancing now is being weaponized to stop all forms of protest and um, other things which the government doesn't like. I, I think that's what Rick is referring to. But again, you know, uh, I mean, we do have to be careful in the middle of a pandemic. Of we do have to social distance. Would it have been possible for members of the public to turn up in an open air space um, separated by, you know, two metres on either side? I think it would have myself, but there you go. Didn't happen, apparently. Yeah, yeah. I do recall reading that we, the public, just wasn't allowed to go to this thing. But I think, I think, it but is... I, th I think it's for the social distancing yeah. was given as the ostensible reason for that. Anyway, Colin, thank you for that because by writing to us in such detail, you've made sure we keep not forgetting, right? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Oh, you're Steve. Just, just, just another thing that, that that's happened this week is this rather bizarre business with um, Ted Hoy, legislator Ted Hoy, being followed around in a in a, a, a civilian car by two people <coughs> for a couple of days mm -hmm. when he confronted them and the car hit him the police rapidly appeared and although there had been a traffic accident in which the police are in are obliged to investigate the first thing they did was let the two uh, people in the car go without being questioned so you think well who were they well it now turns out or at least allegedly turns out because the communist Dagong Pao newspaper said it was their reporters were following him around in the course of a story. A few, now, normally, a few others have corroborated that. Whether it's true or not, I don't know, but they have. Well, I, yes, I know. But, I mean, <coughs> whether they're allowed to run people over in the street in the interests of journalism, I, I really don't know. Yeah. Um, in, in my experience of following people around, you do it with an intent to question them. Now, these people not only didn't want to question Ted Hoy, they didn't even want to speak to him when he approached them. So that strikes me as a journalist, as someone who has indeed pursued people on the street to ask them questions. Not for two days, I have to say, nor in a car. But nonetheless, I, it happens quite a lot to journalists. You do that. But the, the, the purpose of it almost always is to ask them a question when they refuse to answer. Yes. But then we find out that it's not just Ted Hoy who's been following around. Um, members of um, uh, the organisation, the, the civil and um, human rights organisation, <coughs> that's been organising these big demonstrations, which are now effectively banned in Hong Kong, they've been followed around. Agnes Chow herself, who we mentioned before, has been followed around. Sunny Jung has been followed around. I mean, what is going on here? Obviously, the intent is to intimidate. You don't follow people around to make them happy. Is it working? They seem to. They well, all seem to be saying, "Hey, I've got one." No, I've got one. Well, I don't know whether it's working. I mean, has the has the um, police action at Apple Daily, you know, the invasion by two hundred officers of the newspaper, has that caused sympathy for the paper, or has it caused people to say, "I'm having nothing to do with them. It's far too dangerous." Just look at the objective facts. Sales of Apple Daily have, have gone up and, and maintained a higher level than they were before. All sorts of people are taking out adverts on a daily basis in Apple Daily 
to uh, express their support for the paper. I'm not sure that it is working. Um, I suppose, and this is what's really worrying, is that, that the conclusion that will be drawn by the people who initiate these actions is maybe we haven't been harsh enough. You know, they're like the leader of Belarus who says, you know, because, because people have disputed the um, results of the election, I'm not going to hold another election. I mean, you know, this is the logic of dictators throughout the world. Hmm. This is the authoritarian mindset. It's not, can we listen to the people, but can we find a more effective way of stamping out the people? Is it possible that the powers that be are just not used to the ingenuity that Hong Kong people seem to employ? This thing about buying the shares, this thing, all that kind of stuff, it's out of the blue and it's clever. Whether you, you know, even though, even though that comes from you, it's a really good point. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. I've peaked. <laughs> because I, 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 I think you, you're, you're onto something here. I mean, the problem is that, that the authorities in Beijing will never, ever find anybody in the Hong Kong administration that will tell them the truth about the situation here, about what people are thinking. They go up to their bosses and, and puzzle their little heads and go, oh, what does the boss want to hear today? Oh, they want to hear that the majority of people support the national security law, hate Apple Daily, think um, Jimmy Lai should be thrown into a pit to rot, and that's what everybody thinks. Yeah. The reality is that people here are ultra smart, and they've found out that perhaps the best way of confronting the new era of repression yes. is not to stand in front of people who are better armed and better um, equipped to deal with demonstrations, but to find other ways of protest. Going out and buying a newspaper at the moment, and remember we're only talking on the 20th of July, who knows what will happen by the 23rd, yeah. but at the moment it's still legal to go out and buy newspapers, to take adverts, in those newspapers Absolutely. and indeed to buy shares. Humour is another weapon and looking at our Facebook page right now we've got Yuck Yucks online so here we have uh, Alvin back again who I... He says social distancing of two individuals always exists in Hong Kong. It's called marriage. Full disclosure, he's still single. Uh, oh, yeah, stalking is... He, I'm sure it doesn't apply to Alvin. <laughs> he says he's single. He's got a good point, though. He says stalking is the new LV handbags here in the 852. It's the new thing. It's not a new thing at all, but no, some people think it's I, a new thing here. Level, and... I mean, it's always proportion of, of, of these things. Do you remember, Steve, we have a friend who many years ago was in Tiananmen Square, uh, a lady who's a top reporter and everything and she lived in Hong Kong for a long time uh, she's from Beijing and she said that she was really annoyed that her stalker this was years ago she was sent a stalker she said she wasn't very impressed with them at all and she said she approached the fellow and said couldn't they send someone better than you like in the face so it's not new here isn't it and you know exactly what I'm talking about it's, it, it's not new and she I know who you're talking about she wasn't the only person to have been stalked of course yeah so you know I mean there's all forms of intimidation yeah. that go on. And um, the problem is that they usually pick as their targets the people who are most resistant to being intimidated. And they actually feel validated by the fact that, that they're bothering to follow them around. Mm -hmm. So, again, you know, it does go to the question of do people who run authoritarian governments actually understand how things work? in the minds of people who are freedom-loving, in the minds of people who want to live in an open and democratic society. They actually believe mm. 
that most people share their views and given the chance would, would opt for some form of dictatorship because they're so efficient, they run so well, they've got such wonderful people in charge. Yeah, yeah. You know, the record is unbroken in the success of dictatorships. Hmm. Humour and irony <laughs> seem to be the biggest weapons, not, not um, sanctions and this, that and the other. In, in general, humour and irony really gets people, gets them to the quick... irony, remember, during the, the, the dark years of the Soviet Union, humour and irony were the absolute defences against the regime. There's this wonderful joke, I, I actually put it in a column the other day, but, but <laughs> if anybody's read that, they, no, they, they can... They, they can, it only has two readers, so I don't think they will have. But anyway, it was about an East German um, worker who got sent to Siberia. And of course, he knew that when he was writing back home to, this is the old communist East Germany, all his letters would be censored. Sure. So he said to his comrades, he said, look, if I write in blue ink, you'll know that what I'm saying is the truth. If I write it, sorry, if, you, if I write in red ink, you'll know what I'm saying is the truth. If I write in blue ink... <laughs> He's heard that one before. My, my, my dogs just don't like the joke. If I write in blueing, yeah. sorry, you'll know that, 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 that I'm not saying true. So he writes this wonderful letter. And, um, and it says, everything is wonderful here in Siberia. There is plenty of food. The heating in the homes is fantastic. There's women on every corner who want to make a date with me. And in the cinemas, we can see any film we like. Yeah. The only problem here is a shortage of red ink. <laughs> Very good. I thought this is going to be an embarrassing silence, but that's pretty good. Well done, Steve. We've got to park the ride and say goodbye. Uh, Steve, let's do a couple more hellos, shall we, Steve? Brilliant. Well done. And your dog. Which one is that? Come on, let's give him a shout out. Say again. Is that Marco, naughty boy? I, I'm, I'm afraid there's three dogs doing it in unison. <laughs> anyway, they, they, they hate my jokes. They, I'm, I'm going to have a word with them once we've, once we've gone off air. That's dog fowl, not that one again. Anyway, hello, Steve. Steve says, I'm American and we're currently attempting to vote out an authoritarian leader. I think we'll get on to all of that next week. Um, Pete, I, at the beginning, I said, oh, if the supermarkets put the prices up, and Pete says, Park and Shop increased minimum order fee for delivery from five to 600, um, delivery charge 30 to 50, welcomes in increase their minimum order five to eight hundred before you can get free delivery when shopping online so it's absolutely true it sounds like we've gone back to cracks in the pavement but that's you know very sad yeah, news and, and, and remember if 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 you've listened to the sino um she says that in return for the money they will be getting uh, sorry they will need to express greater social responsibility hollow laughter all round because when she was asked what that meant she did the sino-ish thing of going Bow! I've got a sensible question. I was going to finish, but Dave says, can you explain why property is crashing in USA and who is fiddling property in Hong Kong to keep it high? That is a, that's a sensible question, Dave. Thank you. That's a very substantial question. I mean, property prices have, have slid a bit, but it, it is remarkable the, the level to which they've um, maintained their equilibrium. So... I'm not entirely sure what the answer to that is. It Good. does bear investigation. all day. <laughs> it sure bears investigation. That's all I'm saying. Thank you, Steve. Have a wonderful week. We'll do it all again at the same time next week. Steve Vines right here on The Morning Brew. Thank you to you very much for your emails and the, uh, well, genius, genius comedy and stuff, insightful comments on our Facebook Live feed. Right now it's 10 minutes to 11.